Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, President of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the great state of Texas. Wow, last week was something else. I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but we had our first ever policy conference, the Faith, Family, and Freedom Forum that we had in the Austin area. Maybe you were there. We sold out the event. Over 200 people attended. We had a private dinner with the Lieutenant Governor on the Friday night. A lot of stuff to talk about on that. Very excited about how that turned out. So excited to have our first major event ever in the Austin area, and it did not disappoint. But I want to jump right into the segment where we talk about our guest today. Our guest is Barbara Cargill. She is a current elected member of the State Board of Education. At one point a few years ago, she was the chair of the State Board of Education, and she has served in this role from the greater Houston area for a number of years. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk this week about the State Board of Education. We'll get into some of that detail about how they protected the Alamo from a work-study group that wanted teaching about the Alamo defenders being called heroic in the William Travis letter. People that wanted that taken out. Barbara Cargill was a part of the group, and it was a unanimous vote when it comes to the Alamo. But some other issues that they were a part of making sure were included in our social studies and history standards. And about every five to ten years, there'll be a review. But there's a particular reason why there, these votes were coming up and why the work-study groups were involved in these outrageous suggestions and recommendations that they stopped teaching about the Alamo defenders as heroic. They stopped teaching the William Travis letter. I mean, is there a letter that's more famous in the state of Texas when it comes to history than Travis's letter at the Alamo that he wrote before he died? Anyway, we'll touch on some of that. But um, we're going to get into some of those details because it's important to know where things are now. Um, and look, there is victory there that we're, we're happy about and excited, but this issue's not over. This is going to come back around in November, and so it's important for people to stay engaged. You know, I've been doing work at the State Board of Education on a variety of these issues for over 10 years, so uh, I feel like I've seen it all, but maybe I haven't. So, But let's welcome to the Texas Values Report, Barbara Cargill. Barbara, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, well, let's introduce our listeners to a little bit about Mrs. Cargill, since I think this might be your first time to be on the show, but you are no stranger to the issues of faith, family, and freedom. No, this is my 14th year on the board, and so it has been a wonderful experience, but a difficult experience as well. And I'm thankful for Texas Values and for Jonathan for watching our back. Well, we try to do what we can, but we couldn't do the work that we do without having people in office that stand up for faith and family, that's for sure. In this position, while it's about education, you know, you might think, well, what does that have to do with faith and family, freedom? Um, it certainly has been one of the areas that's been talked about the, the most over the time, your tenure, uh, 10 to uh, 12 years going back, 14 years for yourself. But at one point you served as the chair. Let's see, you were elected and that would have been, I'm trying to make sure I read this, 14 years ago, would have been in 2004. Yeah. Would have your, so um, your election, and you know, I'm trying to think, I think 2007 might have been the first time that I testified or, or made any type of presentation before the State Board of Education. But your work in education goes back quite deep, and um, I know your district and where you live is out in the northwest part of the Houston area. And, but, um, you know, you had work in the classroom, you know, just looking at your background as a science educator, more than 30 years, not only in the classroom, but also in selecting textbooks, serving as a mentor, being involved in uh, particular camps for students, and 
having awards. You received the, in recognition for your outstanding teacher teaching, you received the Thanks to Teachers National Excellence Award and the National Audubon Society Award and the AJ Sells Education Award. You were also nominated for a presidential award for excellence in mathematics and science teaching. And I, um, and I believe your work also um, relates to your master's degree in science from Texas Women's University. I know you're very proud, as this station runs Baylor Athletics, to be a graduate of Baylor University yes. as well. Sick and Bears. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we'll see how they do today. I forget if they're playing today. Um, but so there's no question that when it comes to education and when it comes to Texas, your history goes back very far and deep. And so talk to our listeners a little bit about what the State Board of Education members do and a little bit about some of the process, not as it relates to what happened this week. We'll talk about some of that in detail, but just overall what the role is, because I don't think a lot of people realize there are 15 elected members of the State Board of Education, Mm -hmm. and they represent 15 uh, geographic areas, but what exactly is it that they do? Well, that's a good question, and I had to dig into that quite a long time ago, even though I was a classroom teacher, uh, typically teachers are much too busy to keep track of all the things that are taking place in Austin. But I was a stay-at-home mom and uh, staying home with our three little boys, and I was asked to review a biology textbook. And, And so I did, having gone through many biology textbooks over the years to select them for my school districts. I was happy to to take a look at this textbook, and that's when I learned that the State Board of Education was in charge of approving the textbooks that are used in Texas classrooms. And so I looked at this biology book, and I thought, you know, I have a few things to say about this. Who do I talk to? And I was instructed that I could come to Austin and I could testify, which I did all those many years ago. And then I uh, decided to run. I was actually asked to run for office. So don't be surprised. You never know what God will ask you to do. I was <laughs> right. minding my own business as a stay-at-home mom and former classroom teacher. But um, actually, I, I look back over the years, and I'm just thankful that I have been allowed to do this job, and it is a privilege. And uh, just to educate you a little bit more about what the board does, other than um, overseeing the review of the textbooks, is that we also oversee the re- review revision of the state curriculum standards. So, and those are, are called uh, TEKS. They're called the TEKS. We are not a Common Core state. You probably heard of the Common Core standards, um, but we are Texas, so we do our own thing. And so, the TEKS are the Texas Essential Knowledge and Skills, and those are the standards that teachers are required to teach in the classroom. The minimum. Now, they can yep. teach over and beyond, but they have to teach these standards. So. We're talking with Barbara Cargill. She is an elected State Board of Education member. There are 15 elected State Board of Education members in the state of Texas. Her geographic district, if you will, is in the Northwest Houston area. And I don't have the map in front of me. I, I, you know, I know how some of these maps are. It's kind of, you know, they're not in just one set space. Some of them are around the Houston area, but some are quite large. Yeah. Um, but so, uh, and, and that's where the area where you live, you and I have interacted in numerous times at the State Board of Education. As I mentioned four years ago, you were the chair of the State Board of Education. During a very, during a very active time of, at the State Board of Education, I would say. So, but going back 14 years, you talk about textbooks. Now we're in a time period where it's 
you know, it's instructional materials, and they've taken on so many different forms. It's not so much as in a printed textbook. It's online materials. Some there's been legislation that's had an impact on. Um, school districts making choices about what they're going to use. And so there's really kind of this open marketplace. But, you know, um, some things have not changed, which is if you're involved really in any way at the State Board of Education, particularly as an elected member, it's a position where there's no salary, there's really no staff, um, and you don't even have an office. Um, <laughs> I, I'm happy at home in my little home and so, office. And that's not to suggest that you're not important, but right, I think right. a lot of times people realize I mean, this is a huge responsibility. You represent a very large geographic area, if not population-wise. You know, you're cutting the state up into 15 pieces, there that's still some big chunks yeah. of land. We each have about 1.7 million constituents, I think. Yeah. So if, if I'm a little slow in replying to your email, I apologize. We're getting a lot of them, but I will reply. Well, I just thought that was so interesting when I realized that at some point a number of years ago, um, a great responsibility and it's not like y'all have a ton of meetings like legislators do, but sometimes there's quite a bit of work, no staff. I don't even think you have a phone line. I mean, you get an email address. And so I say all that you know, to give people some appreciation of the quality and the amount of work that y'all do with, without a whole lot of support. And so, but that doesn't mean that you, you have less of a responsibility or that people should not expect you to be accountable. But I just think it's a good way for people to appreciate when it comes to public service. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about some issues because you've certainly seen your fair share, not only as chair, but now. And you know, it's always a pleasure, I would imagine, to have the governor appoint you or to select you to have such faith in you as to be chair. And I know that was probably very special to you when Governor Perry at the time made that recommendation. And we were very excited to support that. And a big part of that is whether it's textbooks, instructional materials, and so on. When it comes to largely what's being taught in the classroom, what materials are going to the classroom, the State Board of Education has the final word. And some of that has shifted a little bit, but that by and large is still the case. You're the last gatekeeper, if you will. Um, and, and there are a lot of players in this process because you've got people the Texas Associate, Texas Education Agency. You've got these work-study groups that make recommendations. But my impression is a lot of times these unelected group of people, and I'm not saying that particularly is a negative thing. I'm not saying that the people in work-study groups cannot have value. But what happens is you get positioned a lot. They may come up with something that is outlandish or that... Um, takes away a lot of what's being teaching. And the State Board of Education members are in the position, they have to either undo that or they take public votes to say, we don't think this is a good idea. That gets a little bit more attention um, than things that are being done behind the scenes in a work-study group. But it's a very important role that y'all play. It's not just as gatekeeper, but to some extent, um, that matters a lot. Yes, and our the work groups, which are mainly composed of teachers, Although we do invite, you know, businessmen and other, you know, college professors and et cetera, they are critical to our process and that's where we start. That's kind of the starting point. But one thing to remember is that I am responsible for all of my constituents. And so when people send emails or phone calls or letters or, you know, they come and talk to me in person or come and testify at a state board meeting, it's incumbent on me to listen to them as well. And so we are getting all kinds of input and and it's a big responsibility to weigh that out and to make decisions and to vote in the way that I think best represents my state board district. And that's uh, that's been my the way I have handled this all along. So I'm going to greatly consider a lot of factors. 
Well, and so you can go to our website, txvalues.org, to find out how you can connect with State Board of Education members. These issues regarding how the Alamo is being taught, religious heritage, all these, the, the final decisions, if you will, will not come until November. So we encourage you, please contact your elected State Board of Education member. And if you think they're doing the right thing, let them know you're behind them. If you don't think they're doing the right thing, let them know what your concerns are. We're talking with Barbara Cargill. Um, a State Board of Education member, a very key member, I say, just because you've been on there longer than many. You served in cha- as the chair. I don't know who, who's been there longer. David Bradley, I'm not sure. Pat Hardy. Pat Hardy, that's Tynesy right. Tyne Miller. Tyne that's right. She was gone for a little while, came back, so that's a very good point. Uh, but you're certainly one of the more seasoned members and well-respected. All right, let's talk about what happened this week. And it started, you know, a while back. But one of the biggest things was, and look, the work study groups, oftentimes they can do work, but a lot of times or many times they get it wrong. They got it wrong 10 years ago on Christmas when they recommended Christmas be removed from a list of holidays that students would learn about or just connect with our culture. And they got it wrong again on the Alamo and they got it wrong again on Judeo-Christian heritage and things of that nature. Um, everyone can breathe a sigh of relief, okay? The Alamo and William Travis's letter was voted back in and reinserted because that's where it was before. It was already there because of members like Barbara Cargill. A lot of attention on the Alamo, and, I mean, you have to think that, I mean, that, that just was not the right direction to go, obviously. But whoever was a part of that, I'm sure you have to, you know, that rightly gave a lot of people concern. It did. It did. And, and one thing that I would just want to note, and I, because I don't want to frighten people away from serving sure. on these review That's panels right. because we need you. Um, but they're, they're thinking, and perhaps it wasn't, they didn't quite understand, but we've learned, I've learned over the years, that if we don't have something, something specifically written out in the TEKS, then there is the possibility that teachers could skip over it. Now, I personally, I think when you're teaching about the Alamo, I think certainly the vast majority of teachers would uh, bring up William B. Travis's letter and talk about the defenders, but to ensure that that is taught, that needed to be spelled out in the curriculum standards, and so it is. It has been put back in, so we are good to go on on that score. Well, and we're talking with Barbara Cargill, uh, elected member of the State Board of Education, and I've I'm omitted one also important point is the reason that this is going on right now. It's not in the normal schedule of the every eight to nine years that you review certain subject areas to make sure they're relevant and they fit well in the classroom. It's because I believe there's been efforts that the legislature has directed the State Board of Education to streamline, if you will, the teaching in some of these areas with an effort of suggesting, let's not put too much on the teachers. My opinion is a lot of that, and I'm not saying by all, but by many is politically motivated because they don't like certain things being taught in the classroom. They're seeing it as an opportunity to say, you know what, then we can cut out some of the stuff we didn't want in there to begin with, Mm -hmm. right? There's these liberal activist groups. You see them all the time. I see them all the time at the state legislature putting out big booklets. It's not any surprise. One of them is Texas Freedom Network. It's an organization started by Cecile Richards, who was the former head of Planned Parenthood. There are political efforts going on. And so, and these are the exact groups saying, take politics out of the classroom. They're the ones that are engaging politics themselves. Okay. And so, but look, maybe there's value to streamlining, but don't leave the most important stuff out in the process. And that's what they did with the Alamo and William B. Travis. And I found it very interesting to say the least that you're voting on all of this issue about whether or not we talk about Travis's letter in the William B. Travis building. Yeah, that it was I mean, pretty, it just, pretty ironic. Right? You know, <laughs> so let's talk about Judeo-Christian values before we run out of time. 
because the Alamo and William B. Travis seemed to be safe for the day. That was a unanimous vote, and the governor even got involved in that issue. I but noticed so, that, yeah. So, I'm and, glad he's watching. Yes. And so, uh, so, but then there were other things we saw, okay? There are three areas where they talk about Judeo-Christian legal tradition in, what do you know, the streamlining effort included removing those completely from a really at the high school level. And if you think about the Judeo-Christian tradition and the connection, uh, the, there was an effort to take Moses out. Moses is mentioned one time in K through 12, mm-hmm. and That's they right. wanted him out. So he'd have been gone completely. He would have been gone. The Ten Commandments are still referenced, but we specifically wanted Moses back in the standards, and we we did have him in. But as Jonathan pointed out at the beginning of the broadcast, it's not over yet. It will not be over until our final vote, which will be in November. And so we will continue to work on this and continue to try to keep these good principles in, like the Judeo-Christian legal tradition, which was taken out. And, and many other things. There were other references, like um, the, wor- the religion was taking out as being a reason for, for the thirteen colonies. For the thirteen colonies. Yes. So we, well, we have to it, look for little words because little words carry a big pack of big punch. And so, um, and it's and it's and and don't and please don't get this um, out of step here, folks. The section on this talks about the political, economic, and social reasons for the establishment of 13 colonies. But one of those reasons is religious. And so to just take that one out, that's the only one they wanted out. They're okay with the economic and social reasons for the and political reasons, but oh, the religious reasons, we can't talk about that. So it is hard to not look through some of these recommendations and be left with the impression that there's a little bit more focus on removing stuff that relates to religious heritage, Judeo-Christian, even some, uh, a religious figure like Moses. I've, but, you know, I testified about this, about how there's no question that Moses, the Ten Commandments, his view, or excuse me, his place as a lawgiver, that's where this section is, where they talk about Moses. And it's actually in U.S. government where they talk about this. And they listed him as one of a, a number of different individuals. Right, along uh, with John the, Locke. Yeah, William Blackstone. William Blackstone and mm-hmm. a few others. And so it's not as if it's like, hey, let's spend two or three weeks talking about Moses. He's one of many, and that's the only place he was mentioned in K through 12, and he was on the chopping block. That was a very interesting discussion and vote. That got voted back in. So Moses is back in. Judeo legal, Judeo-Christian legal tradition and biblical law um, in a couple of places got voted back in. But the words of the First Amendment of the Constitution, which was a part of compromise language, I remember this from eight or nine years ago with the Democrats, then they wanted that out, okay? But y'all voted the First Amendment of the Constitution, those words will be taught, at least for now, for school students. That's right. It will be. Those words um, are back in, and so our our teachers will be required to teach those. Well, and look, this so much of this was hammered out eight or nine years ago, over like a year and a half, Barbara. I mean, if you can remember that process, and not that I'm trying to, you know, help sell uh, documentaries, but a documentary was made about it. Not a very good one, in my opinion. I don't think it was all that fair. But nonetheless, my I mean, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, you could not have had a more transparent, robust, thorough process right? with Republicans and Democrats elected. And the majority of the board is Republican. I mean, that's just the way our state is. And so, 
you know, hundreds of people, if not thousands, testified. And, and just a, a great work product that y'all came up with, but a thoroughly vetted work product. And so um, I'm encouraged where things are now, but it did take a little bit of effort. The governor got involved at the last, well, later on in the process um, in supporting Moses mm-hmm. because, look, I don't think a lot of us were calling attention to it. There was right. a lot of attention on the Alamo, and I'll take some of that um, accountability. But we realized, you know what? We might need to have a little bit more attention on this and let people know we provided testimony. A lot of emails were sent in, and the governor did put out a tweet talking about protecting Moses and how ridiculous it would be to eliminate him That's right. when he's in the Supreme Court right. building. Right. The Ten Commandments are on the Capitol grounds in Texas. Yeah. No-brainer. Yeah, that is a no-brainer. And I would encourage people, I think you said they could get the link to these drafts on yeah. your website, That's right? right. Okay, so I would encourage those of you who are interested, as I mentioned earlier, it takes a lot of people looking at this. I mean, I I have my two eyes, but that's it. And so the more of you that we can have looking at these standards for things that we might have missed, I'll be pouring over them again. But I tell you what, having backup is really, really nice. And so please contact board members if you see things that are concerning to you because we want to make sure we cover all of it. Well, and like I've said before in other situations related to the State Board of Education, uh, don't, you know, don't be too concerned about what your background is. I mean, look, whatever you bring to the table. Yeah. Um, but as I've said, you, know, you don't need a PhD to know that when it comes to teaching in our public schools in Texas, you don't mess with Alamo and you don't mess, <laughs> mess with our religious heritage. Right. And that applies in other settings as well. And so you have value no matter where you come at these issues. Take a look at our website, txvalues.org, see what you think about the work we're doing and about how things are going. Let's wrap up real real quick with Barbara Cargill. We're grateful that you were able to come on the show, spend some time with us. We know you got very important work to do when it comes to the education of, what are we, six million public school students. And, And people should be aware, oftentimes private schools, use the same type of material right. because they base their teaching on Texas standards as well. Some homeschoolers do mm-hmm. as well. So don't allow yourself to think, oh, my kid's not in public school. This doesn't really matter to me as much. I want to, the last piece here, though, Barbara, I know your Christian faith is very important to you. Mm-hmm. You know, we broadcast from a Christian station. We want you to know we're praying for you. We know it's because of the Christian ethic, if you will, that calls people into service mm-hmm. to serve others that's led you into this position, and we appreciate that. Well, and I appreciate you, and just knowing that Nicole and James were there until very late last night uh, during our meeting, and I had uh, asked for prayer. And so knowing they were behind me praying was pretty amazing. And so we see God at work in a lot of ways, but that prayer coverage is very critical. But I think Texas Values, I know I sound like a commercial, but I mean it. Um, They've been awesome just through all of these years. And Jonathan, you and I had a lot of late night discussions too (laughs) about what our kids are being taught. And, you know, we need those eagle eyes looking at all of these. And so please join join the fight with us. We need you. Well, it was close to 10 o'clock when things wrapped up on Wednesday night. Uh, But there's still work that's to be done in the future. And sometimes those meetings will go even later. So do not ever think uh, diminish the value of prayer. We, We know how important that can be. And we're grateful for that, and we're grateful for the service of Barbara Cargill. She was awarded one of our Texas Values Award a few years ago because of her leadership. We could probably give her an award every year. Uh, and <laughs> one, so, one was good. <laughs> but, so we're grateful for that. Um, we'll be back next week on the Texas Values Report, and we'll give you more updates on this issue. And I'll talk a little bit more about our policy conference, some incredible things that happened there, the takeaways from that, 
and what we're going to do leading to the future. Don't forget to, uh, look, if you haven't registered to vote yet, we're getting very close to November. Maybe you move like I did and others, and you want to get set up for the general election. So don't forget about that as well. And we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We need your tax-deductible donations. Continue to do the work that we do on a daily basis. You can go to txvalues.org and donate today. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.